0: Let's pray. Father, we rejoice in you. We're thankful for all of your care for us. And we're also acknowledging this morning, as we do on a regular basis, and and we ought to recognize those mothers that have influenced us. We pray that this service would be about what your instruction, your thoughts are for us. Help us to set aside those things that might distract us and allow you to teach us by your spirit through your word. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So these are, these are interesting opportunities as we, this is a little loud. As we come to a day like Mother's Day, some have real emotional drain when it comes to Mother's Day, and others have real emotional exhilaration. And so it's, it's a bit of a, a, a tricky, touchy situation, because I don't know where you are, what you've experienced, why you may have an emotional drain, whether you have sought to be a mother and it didn't work in that direction, and so there's an emotional drain there, and we don't want to be insensitive to you. Whether you had a, a poor experience as a child, then you didn't have a mother that nurtured you the way that you would have wanted and that we would have wanted. So these are difficult items. I don't know where you're at in this, and so I, I, I trust that you you know that we consider you in the midst of that. If you are troubled today in this situation, we are not insensitive toward you. Though we, we are sensitive to those who have had maybe other experiences with motherhood, whether being mothers or having mothers that they care greatly for and and have nurtured them. And so we do celebrate Mother's Day, and we're not ashamed of that, but we also want you to know that we are concerned for you if your experience may be other than ideal. What is a mother? What is a mother? Here's a little poem, so to speak. Somewhere between the youthful energy of a teenager and the golden years of a woman's life, there lives a marvelous and loving person <laughs> known as mother. A mother is a curious mixture of patience, kindness, understanding, discipline, industriousness, purity, and love. A mother can be at one and t- one the same time both lovelorn counselor to a heart-sick daughter— and a head football coach to an athletic son. Hi, Mom. A mother can sew the tiniest stitch in the material for the dainty prom dress, and she is equally experienced in threading through the heaviest traffic with a station wagon. (laughs) It's a little dated here. A mother is the only creature on earth who can cry when she's happy, laugh when she's heartbroken. And, and work when she's feeling ill. A mother is as gentle as a lamb and as strong as a giant. Only a mother can appear so weak and helpless, and yet be the yet be the same one who puts the fruit jar so tight uh, cover, fruit jar cover on so tightly even dad can't get it off. A mother is a picture of helplessness when dad is near and a marvel of resourcefulness when she's all alone. A mother has the angelic voice of a member in the celestial choir as she sings Brahms lullaby to a baby held tight in her arms, yet this same voice can dwarf the sound of an amplifier when she calls her boy in for supper. (laughs) A mother has the fascinating ability to be almost everywhere at once, and she alone can somehow squeeze an enormous amount of living into an average day. A mother is old-fashioned to her teenager, just mom to her third grader, and simply mama to her two-year-old sister. But there is no greater thrill in life than to point to that wonderful woman and be able to say to the world, that's my mother. So how that resides with you, I don't know. What that evokes in your spirit, I couldn't tell. But I do know that this defines, these types of things define some mothers. On another end of the spectrum, I'd like to share with you a little note from Charles Swindoll regarding IOUs. It says, Dear Mom, as I... walk through my Museum of Memories. I owe you for your time, day and night. I owe you for your example, consistent and dependable. I owe you for your support, stimulating and challenging. I owe you for your humor, sparky and quick. I owe you for your counsel, wise and quiet. I owe you for your humility, genuine and gracious. I owe you for your hospitality, smiling and warm. I owe you for your insight, keen and honest. I owe you for your flexibility, patient and joyful. I owe you for your sacrifices, numerous and quickly forgotten. I owe you for your faith solid and sure. I owe you for your hope, ceaseless and indestructible, if that doesn't define a genuine mother. I owe you for your love, devoted and deep. Ephesians 6, please, as we consider God's word in this matter. Ephesians 6, beginning in verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. What's interesting about this passage And it's only just a portion of our discussion this morning, but it is really a launching point for our consideration. While we live in the home of our mother, we owe them obedience. While we live in our mother's home, we owe them obedience. When we're grown and leave the house, we no longer have this expectation that mommy's going to come by knock on the door daily and say, did you clean your room? Did you take out the trash? Did you eat your vegetables? We don't have this expectation that they're going to come and and deal with us this way. Be home by 11. No, things change as we get older. And our relationship with our moms changes as we get older. And so, as we get to that side, the, the obedience factor, it, it's different, because if you really look at obedience, the way that you should, you should view obedience, it's like, okay, from the time you're born, obedience is, it should be here, and, and it's, it's owed to our parents, and it really should be this steady line. Now, I'm not saying that it is a steady line. I'm sure that it goes all over the map, but, but as far as expectation and right, uh, a, 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 obedience is one of those things that should be a steady line, we come to a certain point, and it's like, okay, now it's not obey mommy time anymore. Now it's, we're, we're up and we're grown, and now they don't tell us what to do. But there's something altogether different about the concept of honor. When our children are two years old, they can learn to obey us. But they don't know what it means to honor us. Moms, you're, you're two-year-old. I know you want them to respect and honor you. They don't. They don't know how. So really, where obedience you want here and can, and can expect here, honor starts down here at the baseline. And it starts to creep up over the course of life. And, and the hope is that while obedience is on this steady stream, the, the chart of honor is always on this upward trajectory to where at age 30, they honor you more than at age 5. And at age 35, they honor you more than at age 30. And at age 40, you see, it it should be this upward trend. This is what we want to talk about this morning, is this concept of honoring our mothers. It's a very practical matter. And it really, friends, it's not optional. Whereas you've grown up and you're out of your mom's house, you no longer have to obey her as such. But the honoring does not stop. The honoring continues. Now maybe maybe your actual biological mother is not the one that we're talking about here. It's possible. It's possible you have some other figure in your life that has served you in that capacity to be your mom. And your honor for that person should be ever ratcheting upward. So As you filter through this and consider these truths, put it in light of that one that is the the mother that cared for you. Now, it's possible your mother may not have cared for you, but yet you, you know her. And we're not talking about someone, I never met my mother, but you know your mom, and she may not have done all the right things. You still owe this honor to her, hard as it may be to do this. So this morning, as we consider God's word and this subject matter of honoring our mothers, we want to look at three ways that we can honor our mothers. The first one is honor your mother with your words. Take a look, please, with me at Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31. These will be very quick bullet points, the first couple of them anyway, as we consider our responsibility to honor our mothers in three ways, the first of which is honor your mother with your words. We know Psalm 30, uh, excuse me, Proverbs 31 is referring to the virtuous woman, at least that's what we've called her. Uh, we find a virtuous woman in verse 10. Her, her worth is far above rubies. And we, we know all the different things. This is like, this, this lady is off the charts. She can sew and she can make plow a field, and she can go and sell. This lady's all over the place. She, she's, she's amazing. She's kind of like our mother, uh, doing all the things that, that she would have done. Now, what I want to draw your attention to is verse 28. Verse 28. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. This is written in the form of a a present tense here. And here's what I want to talk to you about, just for a moment, on this particular item. And I want you to think about you for a second. What would you prefer? Would you prefer a regular dose of appreciation, you know, daily or every other day, every few days, a regular dose of appreciation, or would you prefer appreciation on special occasions? Which one? You want the the consistent ones, right? You know, it's nice to have, get a card and some flowers or card and candy or whatever the case may be that we give for someone on a special occasion. But really, we're not talking about, okay, make sure you say something nice to your mama on Mother's Day. We're talking about, when, when we're talking about honoring them, we're talking about something that takes place on a regular occurrence. And so the interaction uh, about your mother needs to take place on more than one, two, three, four occasions on the year. Young people, think this through. You may not be readily available to make great appreciative comments to your parents, particularly your moms. You're, you're, you're not hitting the mark. Your mom needs to hear from you. She needs to hear from you that you love her, that you appreciate her. She needs to hear thank you for this uh, uh, action, this action, and that action. She needs to hear this on a a regular and occurring pattern. This is the way that we honor our, our parents, is by letting them know on a regular occasion, on a regular interval, that they are important. Let us honor our mothers by being consistent, and bringing up how she blesses us. This is a way we can honor our mothers. Here's a second way. Honor your mother with your actions. We're in the book of Proverbs already. Take a look, please, at Proverbs 6. Proverbs 6. Honor your mother with your actions. Now, I'm using the term actions loosely. I'm really, really what I'm referring to is honoring... Your mother, by heeding the instruction she gives you, whether that be an action or an attitude or an approach to life, it, it is not really it, it's any of those, as opposed to the word that I'm kind of you know, pinning to actions. It's more, take the instructions you've received. And by God's grace, allow them to be played out. Take a look here at Proverbs 6, beginning in verse 20. Proverbs 6, 20. My son, keep your father's command and do not forsake the law of your mother. Bind them continually upon your neck. Tie them around... Excuse me. Bind them continually upon your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you roam, they will lead you. When you sleep they will keep you. And when you awake, they will speak with you. For the commandment is a lamp and the law a light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life. And so we just have this this very succinct statement. Obey your father's command, keep your mother's law, is essentially the idea. Now, this isn't the only time he brings this sort of thing up in the Proverbs. Take a look at Proverbs 10. Proverbs ten and verse one it says the Proverbs of Solomon A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is the grief of his mother. It's pretty strong, isn't it? Well, unfortunately it gets worse. Take a look at Proverbs 15 for a moment. And verse 20. A wise son makes a father glad, but a foolish man despises his mother. Well, that's pretty strong, isn't it? The word despise means to, to regard with contempt. So here's your mom. She's investing in you. She, she wants to give you practical advice on how to live life. She wants you to be a productive person. She wants you to be a fruitful person. She, she wants you to be someone that, that shows up on time that has an orderly appearance, that makes sure that you're not living in squalor. She wants all of these things. She wants to invest practical life lessons to you. You can honor your mom by by learning those practical truths. But even better than those productive lessons, there, there are moms, many of our moms, maybe your mom, in addition to these kinds of practical lessons, invested something far greater in you. She probably brought to you the Gospel of Jesus Christ. When when the Gospel comes through the voice, through the actions, through the prayers of of a mom, that is something that she has laid out for you, because that is her heart. Her heart is to give you that which goes beyond being a productive citizen in society, but that which lasts and leads to eternal life. And so, to honor our mothers, we, we need to find the instructions, listen to the instructions, and, and put into practice those instructions. And even more so, when it comes to the Gospel, you're, you're, you honor your mom, when you are impacted by the gospel, so we're looking at ways we honor our moms. We we honor them with our words, right? We wanna, we want to we want to tell them and appreciate them, and we honor our moms with our actions by you know taking what they've taught us and, and saying you know showing them that we we learned the lesson. You didn't waste those eight million seven hundred thirty-two thousand three hundred thirteen words that you said the same time over and over again. I actually heard what you said, and see, look. I, I, I'm telling my children now, and I'm telling your grandchildren, and, you, and they're, I'm, I'm just going to keep, keep this thing going. This, this is the way we honor our mothers. But now I, I really want to get to the heart of what I really want for us to, to grasp in the way that we honor our moms. Take a look at 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5. It's good to honor our moms with our words. We should. It's good to honor our moms with our actions. We should. Thirdly, another way that we can honor our mothers is to honor your mother with your provision. Listen, you couldn't write this this statement any more strongly than Paul does in 1 Timothy chapter 5. He lays this thing out st- straightly, clearly, and with a little bit of punch. He says in verse 3, Honor widows who are really widows. In other words, this lady has lost her husband and she's, she's, she's by herself. This is instruction for the church there. But there are throughout Implications for the family. Verse 4. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show piety at home and to repay their parents. What does that mean? It means, look at all your parents invested in you. They cared for you for X number of years, making sure you had what you needed instruction-wise, physically, uh, mentally. They they did this. Repay them by doing this. Well, what is this? What is he talking about? Repay their parents. How, How does God view this? It says, for this is good. The word there is agathos. It means beautiful. This is beautiful and acceptable before God. Now, she who is really a widow and left alone trusts in God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. And these things command that they may be blameless. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith, and is worse than an unbeliever. This is strong, don't you think, the way he's phrased this? Well, first of all, he starts by saying, if, if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them show piety by repaying their parents, demonstrating care, providing for them what they need. If, if not, you know, what does he say at the end of, at, at, in verse 8? If anyone does not provide for his own, especially those of his own household... He's faithless and worse than faithless because a natural man can care for his parents. A natural man can care for his parents. To neglect to care for our parents is is to do that which is unnatural. Now, I want to give us something to, to really meditate on to help this to, to come to, to real, deeply rooted conviction. Take a look at John 19 for a moment. This is fascinating. The context of John 19, I'm pretty sure that you've calculating in the chapters, you're thinking, well, we're getting toward the end of John, so we've got to be at least toward the crucifixion. No, we're, we're on the cross. Jesus is on the cross where we're at here. And we recognize the agony. We can recognize only from a, yeah, I heard this information standpoint, because we have never hung on a cross. No one has ever pounded nails through our wrists and feet, and thus we're suspended there with nails up against our bones, bleeding out in the sun, unable to breathe, to speak from the cross is an excruciating, excruciating experience, because you're slumped. And to speak, you need breath. So to speak, you'd need to actually put all the pressure where all those points are, in the wrists and in the feet, and you come up and you gasp for breath, and you have enough breath, and you can say something. Jesus spoke seven times from the cross. and one of the times he spoke directly directly deals with what we're talking about one of seven times that Jesus spoke from the cross he's hitting on this subject that's fascinating verse 25 of John 19 Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, Behold, your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. Jesus had brothers. Mary had other sons. And he could only entrust his mother to someone he knew would care for her wholly, wholly. The other boys could have taken care of her physically, but they had to that point rejected Christ, and John could take care of both physical and spiritual. Now think about this. Jesus was providing at that moment for Mary's deepest need While He hung on the cross, He was dealing with her deepest need, her salvation. He was paying for her sin as He hung on the cross. He was caring for her. He was doing the best thing. And yet, in the midst of doing the best thing, taking care of her deepest need, He also took care of practical, necessary, other elements of her need. This is just fascinating. He's dealing with her deepest need and yet in the midst of it, he deals with her temporal need. Are there any implications, friends? There have to be implications. That as as we're looking toward the future with our parents, that we care for them and provide for them and we don't abandon them in their need. Jesus was was paying for her sins and yet caring for where she'd live and the nurturing of her being. Interestingly, again, this, I find this fascinating because we're, we're talking about the God-man. Is Jesus the creator of the world? Yes. Is Jesus the uh, sustainer of the world? Yes. Is Jesus the sovereign over the universe? Yes. Could Jesus, of His own accord, make sure that Mary's needs were met? He could trust in His own sovereignty. Just like we we look at our parents and say, Oh, God will take care of them. That's good. We need to look at it that way. But Jesus also stepped into the fray and said, This is what I'm gonna make sure that she's taken care of. He could have made sure as the God man, but as Jesus he made sure. I find that to be really important. When we think about physical, practical issues, as we've talked about honoring our moms with our words and our actions and our provision, we we must consider this last scene of Jesus on the cross. We see the dual care that he had for her. uh, He demonstrated for her. We need to care for both the the physical and practical elements of our moms, and we need to care for their eternal and spiritual elements. As we, we meditate through this, and as we kind of put a cap on our consideration, moms, You should care for your children's physical well-being. But don't just limit it to their physical well-being. I'd say, moms, point your children to Jesus. And I'd say, children, you want to honor your mom? And I, I suspect you do. Point your mom to Jesus. Oh, maybe she's already a believer. Point your mom to Jesus. She still needs him. He doesn't just start the process. He continues the process and finishes the process. Point your mom to Jesus. Moms, point your children to Jesus. Honor them. We can can have a very productive person, whether it be a, a productive child or a productive mom. We can have a kind person, whether that be a mom or a child. We can have a helpful person, whether that be a mom or a child. None of this is sufficient to deal with our deepest need. Our deepest need is not being clean physically. Our deepest need is not being orderly from a practical standpoint. Our deepest need is is that which is going to last forever. As we look at Jesus hanging on the cross and, and uttering these words, Behold your mother, behold your son, this, it, it, just, it points us to the fact that we're, we're more than, than just about here and now, and, and we're more than just about the future. We're, we're beings that are living in time and space, and we're going, we have a future. We have to deal with both elements, both now and forever. And the question I think it should lead us all back to is this. Am I honoring my mom physically, practically? Am I pointing my mom to that which will last forever the gospel of Jesus Christ? Why is our deepest need spiritual? Our deepest need is spiritual because we're all sinners. We're sinners. When you sin, you demonstrate that you're just like every other human being that's ever walked the face of the earth except for one. When you sin, you demonstrate what God already told us. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We we're born into this world and we're born needy. And you know what, friend? That need never ends. That need never ends. Our sinfulness points us to need for rescue. And what I say to you, as we regularly point out, that rescue has already been done. Jesus has paid it all. As he hung on the cross, he experienced physical torment, but even more challenging for him was that he became sin for us. God placed the sin of the world on Jesus. Jesus bore your sin and Jesus bore God's wrath against your sin so that your deepest need could be met. And the question that you need to answer is, do you recognize that what Jesus has done is enough. That you need that rescue. That you don't have enough to offer God to say, yeah, I, 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 can, I can come and live with you forever because, because I, I care for people and because I do the right thing. That, that's not it, friend. It's, it's about Jesus meeting your deepest need, which was taking your sin on Him. And based upon your trusting Him alone, He'll give you what can never be taken away from you. We call it righteousness. He'll give you His righteousness. But really what we're saying is, He meets our deepest need because you don't make it to heaven without perfect righteousness. And He'll supply that for you when you recognize that He is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father but by Him. We look at this subject of Mother's Day, and I want to wish you a happy Mother's Day, moms. I do. And I want to encourage you. Your children owe to you honor with their words and their actions. They they owe to you honor that they will consider you in your future here on earth. That that they won't abandon you in your time of need. They do owe that to you. They owe you that provision. And they also want to honor you by, by constantly pointing you to Jesus. And you want to honor them by constantly pointing them to Jesus. Because it deals with far more than our emotional needs of being appreciated. And our mental needs, that we didn't waste all those words. And our physical needs, that I took care of you all these years, and now here I am, I'm helpless and needy and and alone. They need more than that. They need more than the, the emotional, the mental, and the physical. They need spiritual support. I'm talking about for believers and unbelievers, friends. Because when you get to those ages where you start to feel your age and your vulnerability and your, your helplessness, there's, a, there's a, a, a great potential for serious disappointment and, and agony internally. And the only way we can help them is Well, we can be there and show them our love and appreciation, but, but we can keep pointing them to the one that has given them life. That's the greatest support you can give. Point them to Jesus, whether they're believers or unbelievers. It's the same thing that moms are constantly needing to do for their children. Point them to Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, as we think